Hey, thanks so much for joining us for another episode of the Tree of Life Church podcast. It's our prayer that these messages help connect you to the life, love, and power of Jesus. Hey, turn Psalms 11 for me. We're in part three of a series we kicked off called Unbroken. It will actually finish up next week, and so don't miss that. If you've missed any of the installments, as always, you can go back on the archives. And if you've really felt touched and ministered to, by all means, listen to them over again. Sometimes it takes a couple of times to get it down inside of you, and then forward it, forward the link out to people that you know that it will be a blessing to, and so that's a great thing to do as well. Um, God dropped this on my heart a while ago about the fall, and just looking at you know, this time that we live in, how we can build our foundations on things that cannot be shaken because there's things in this world today trying to shake them, amen? There's a whole lot of shaking going on. And, uh, but God is the sure foundation. In fact, the Bible says there's no other foundation that can be laid than that which is Christ, and that will stand forever. And so we're just trying to give you some tools through this series. It's about relationships. Last week was about marriage. This week will be as well. Next week, more about family, friends. And so I want you to come on out. Uh, the first week, I don't want to review, but the first week we started with, which I think is the starting point for every believer and everything, is making sure we had clean hearts, right? Just dealing with that. As I told you over and over again, I would go to my dad just so frustrated or upset or hurt. First thing my dad would say to me, he would say, son, how's your love walk? What he was saying was like, how's your heart, right? How's that affecting you? I'm like, I don't want to hear that right now. What about their heart? <laughs> what about their black heart? No, I'm just kidding. I wouldn't, say, I wouldn't really say that. I don't think so. But anyway, so... <laughs> We need to make sure we're not allowing offense and bitterness and all the things that are out there constantly. The enemy's constantly trying to put things in, in front of us and have things said to us that really will get us off our love walk because that's the key for us to walking in all the blessings and everything God has for us. So uh, that was the first week. Last week we talked about marriage and, and being in pursuit, how, our, how we can close the gap between our intention and our actions uh, with our spouse and how we can do that. And I just want to say this, really these uh, messages, when we talked last week about marriage this week, they're really for everybody, wherever you are relationally. Either you're building a foundation of what will be in the future or you're building a rebuilding one now in your marriage. And so I just want you to lock in this morning as well. Let's take a look at Psalms 11, three through four. Here's what the word says. When the foundations are being destroyed, and I just want to say they are the foundations, the values, the core values of our lives and our belief systems are under attack like never before. The enemy steal, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. What's he want to steal, kill, and destroy? The foundation of your life. He's coming to just attack every foundation, family, marriage, morality, uh, finances, whatever that is, mental. And he's all the time scheming and planning on how he can get in there and destroy that foundation. Because here's what he knows. If there's a foundation that stands uh, being built on the things of God, it cannot be shaken. Amen. The storms can come, the winds can blow, and the rain will fall. But the one who built his house on a rock will stand. And so he's coming. And so here's the response. To, what, 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 go back to that verse for a second, please. When the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? What are we going to do about it? There's all this stuff happening. I'm overwhelmed by it. What can we do? God, help us. And then verse 4, I love the psalmist as he wrote this in verse 4. He says, hold on a second. The Lord. Yeah, well, what about the Lord? Where is he? On his throne? He's where he always was. He's at the right hand of the Father. Jesus is there because he's not concerned. He, is, he has prepared everything. He has given everything that we need to make a stand and move our life forward and, and the things of God. And so he's not shaking, right? He's not, he's not, is he standing at least? No, he's good. He's, he, he's seated. He, he's got this, right? And then if you wonder if he's even watching what's going on, it says this, he observes everyone on the earth. His eyes examine them. Does he even know what's going on right now? Because if he did, he would be up on his feet doing something about it, right? No, he's seated because he's already done something about it, amen? And so he knows what's going on in your life. He's there. 
He's watching, he's there, and he has provided a way where there seems to be no way, amen? And so here we go, today's message, let's start in the, this is funny, I don't, I just, after I had, was writing all this out, I thought, wow, what a place to start on a marriage, list, uh, a marriage message this morning. We're gonna start in the book of Lamentations. Oh, <laughs> uh, you just described my marriage right there, pastor, that's the, a lament, right? That's the depressing book right there, but so here we have Jeremiah right in a real, a real uh, depressing kind of time. He was really down, things weren't going well. But uh, um, I love Jeremiah in this passage. We'll read it in just a second as he's really just expressing his heart and acknowledging that, you know, things don't always go the way you want. You, don't, you, you would want something different. I, I expected it to be a different place in my life. I didn't know all this stuff was gonna happen. I didn't mean to do that. And some things because I did things, some things because just the world did things or whatever. And so he's expressing his heart, but it doesn't stay there. It's encouraging to us. So in verse 19, chapter three, here's what he wrote. I remember my affliction and my wandering and the bitterness and the gall, all the things. I go back and I think about that stuff and I got so many regrets. I would do so many things different. I well remember them and my soul is downcast within me. I just wish I could have done different things. And here's what I know, especially in this topic. There's a lot of hurts and things that we have in our life because of things in our past. Maybe choices we've made, maybe things we didn't have control over and nonetheless, we have some hurts, we have some pains and they're real. They are real hurts and real pains. And uh, we've experienced things that we would never want anyone to experience, and don't, nor did we ever think we ever would, and yet that's real. And that's kind of the challenge sometimes in bringing a message on a topic that you know there's a lot of people that, that they, they, they want to be married, and there's things that, that in their life they're trying to sort through and, and come find why that is, or some that have broken marriages, or, or maybe several broken marriages, and you just can't figure out what's been happening, and there's a lot of hurt and a lot of pain there. Maybe you're in your marriage today, but divorce has been being talked about. You, you're at a place that you're ready to just give up. There's a lot of hurts like this, and I want to encourage you in this lament where Jeremiah kind of turns the corner. He says this in verse 21. I know all, I feel all that. I, I mean, I have all that, yet... This I call to mind. It's not, you just don't sit and remind yourself of all the brokenness and the hurt, and it's real, it is. But at some point in time, then you gotta call to mind something that will bring you hope. And here's what it goes on to say in verse, the next verse. Because of the Lord's great love, I have hope. I have hope because of the Lord's great love. I know that I'm here lamenting. My heart has been broken and I'm experiencing things I never want to experience again. Yet I have hope because of the Lord's great love. We are not consumed. This is not the end of the story. It doesn't have to stay or be this way forever. Because... His compassions never fail. Another translation says his mercies never fail. The mercy of God, the compassion of God is always there. In fact, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, God. I can have hope because great is your faithfulness. I know that this pain in my heart, these things, these things I regret, I know that my choices I could have, that things happen, I don't understand it. But yet this I know, great is the faithfulness of my God. They are new every morning. Today, it's new for you today, if you'll allow it to be. I wanna encourage you in that this morning. You know, when I do weddings, I've done many, many weddings, and I always have this phrase, this line, actually, I do the wedding ceremony that my dad did and my mom did, and a few little tweaks. Uh, but it says, um, it says this in my wedding ceremony, it says when we're doing the vows, from this day forward, and I wanna encourage you today, great is his faithfulness, so from this day forward, things can be different. From this day forward, you can start fresh today. From this day forward, you can have a new beginning in your marriage. 
And it doesn't have to be with a new partner, right? You can have, that's right, just if we can do this, deal with this right here. No, you can have a new beginning. Why? Because great is his faithfulness. Because his mercies are new every morning. His compassions are new every morning. I love that. I call to mind. What did he call to mind? The faithfulness of God. And I wanted to go there today because I know that, again, this message can be quite discouraging or challenging for some based on where you are on your journey. But I want you to remember, we serve a God whose mercies are new every morning. And I want to ask this question this morning because really we're being challenged today. The marriage and relationships are under attack like never before. Uh, Governments are trying to redefine it. Uh, You know, culture's trying to redefine it. And I just want to say with all the love that I can, God wrote it right the first time. He didn't need man's improvement on any of it. What we need to do is just find out what God's plan is and stick with the plan. That is where the greatest blessings are in the, in the plan of God and the purposes of God. And so having said that, the question might be, is there really such thing as a great marriage? It may not seem like there is. Is there really such thing as a great marriage? Because if we're looking at statistics, and I don't want to give you a lot of that today, we all know that statistically speaking, uh, 50% of divorces in America today, uh, marriages in America today, end in divorce. And I want to say it's the same statistic in the church for Christians as it is in the world today. And therefore, if you're looking at the world's view on what's happening today based on marriages, it doesn't look very promising. But can I tell you, our hope, back to that scripture, right? We have a hope in God because great is his faithfulness, amen? But it looks like the odds are stacked against us. So I'll be quite honest with you. I mean, 50-50 odds are not good odds, and we wouldn't want 50-50 odds in anything we did in life, really. I mean, I was thinking about this. Um, The next time that you go on a flight, the last thing you want the pilot to do is say, hey, welcome aboard. Thank you for choosing this airline. I'm your pilot today. And I just want you to know that we got a 50% chance of making it to our destination and a 50% chance of crashing. Thank you for choosing our airlines. We hope that you fly with us again. We hope that we're all alive at the end of this. Can I get off that plane? I want better odds. We should want better odds in our relationship. We should want better odds in our marriages. And we have the faithful God, amen? We have the things of God to have better odds. So that's what I want to do today. I want to get you better odds. I want to get you better odds. And let me say this, God has a way. Seeking God in his way will better your odds. So Matthew 6, 33, probably most of us are familiar with this. This is a principle that stretches across all areas of our life. It is an unchangeable truth of God's word. And so when we apply it, it works. Matthew 6, 33, bettering our odds, says this. But seek first. Say seek first. Seek first. Seek first. Seek first. first. Priority, his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. I'm going to go after all things God as a priority, and when I do, God gets involved in my life. When I go after all things God as a priority, God gets involved in my life. And the thing we have to understand is if if we will enact this, or if we will engage this, it's a promise that the result will be such that God said he will get involved in your life. In fact, Jesus is saying here that I'll get involved in your life if you get closer to me. At the the beginning of this year, God dropped something real heavy in in my heart, and I've shared this before. It was in in times of prayer, and I I got this, this phrase, make room, make room increase your capacity, and, and maybe many of you heard me talk about that, and I, and I, I, I just really have this sense it's more profound from God than, than we realize, and we'll experience it throughout our year, but the more we increase capacity for God, here's what I believe you said, the more you increase the capacity for me, the more I'll increase my activity for you. So the more that we increase our activity for God, the more, or 
increase our capacity for God, the more he'll increase his activity towards us. And literally, Jesus is saying that here in Matthew 6, if you'll focus on getting close to me, I'll take care of your stuff. But if you wanna take care of your own stuff, you're opting out of my power operating in your life. And so we need to do what we can to get close to him. And I, I as a pastor, I, so many times people are, pastor, can you pray for me? I'm believing for that one. I'm, I'm standing in faith for that one. I'm, I'm trusting God for that one. I, and, I, and I get that. I, I've been there. I, I hear the heart in that. God, I just, I just want that one God has for me. And I want to just take a little bit different look today because I think what we're, what we're, what we're looking at could be a little different. I, I know what the heart behind that is. I, I know what you're saying but it's not like that one's gonna fix it, that one's gonna solve it, that one's gonna fulfill something. In fact, I think just in our culture today, it's exactly the opposite, but our culture would say, it's that one, it's that one, it's that one. And, and I'm just reminded of that movie that, you know, I, I even looked it up the other day, where that scene, that famous scene where, where Jerry, and Jerry Maguire, where Tom Cruise looks and says, you complete me. And I think that's the fairy tale that we all, all want, we all lived. And I just wanna say this, it didn't work for Jerry Maguire, by the way. I don't know if you knew that. It certainly didn't work for Tom Cruise, right? I mean, he's still looking for that one to complete him. I don't mean to joke like that, but it seems like he's on Mission Impossible. And uh, just like, I'm just like, I know, I know, I know that's not, I know, I know, I'm sorry. And Tom, if you're ever watching this, man, call me. I love you, man, just. But I would say to you, people don't complete you, but what I would wanna say to you is, show me the money. Let's show me the money to do that one. And, and Tom, we got three ways you can give here at Tree of Life, by the way, just like. All right, okay, uh, enough of that. <laughs> you complete me. Man cannot complete you, only God can. Only God can, amen, only God. So it's not easy, it's not easy though. It's not easy when you do it without God. In fact, it is mission impossible when you do it without God, even if you're the top gun. <laughs> All right, let's get back on track. You have to seek God first. You have to seek God first, even if you were, even if you were the last woman or the last samurai. You have to seek God first, no, no matter what, right? I know, seriously, I need God, because I don't want Tom Cruise showing up and going Jack Reacher on me or anything, right? <laughs> Knock me into oblivion, the edge of tomorrow or something. I know, I know, I know. It's, I know, I'm trying to fix that. I'm trying to get that out of me. I don't know what's happening here. So there's God's way. There's God's way and there's the world's way, right? And it seems like there's this war of, <laughs> I'm just, okay. It's just... The problem is that when you put someone in the position that should only be occupied by God, you will eventually get frustrated, disappointed, let down, hurt, and they eventually essentially will fail you because they were never meant to be in that position. We were never meant to be in that position. And that's why the only one worthy of that place is God. And people will change, and that's just human nature and our, just life, and we change throughout times, and that's why, you know, that the woman would say that I love this man and tell all her friends, I love this man, he's so laid back, he's so calm, he's so patient, nothing really bothers him, and then 10 years later, he's like, he's a bump on the log, <laughs> you know, he's a, he's a lazy bum, he, you know, he doesn't care about anything. Sits on the couch watching Tom Cruise movies all day or whatever, I don't know. And his things change. We have these expectations though, and it's the, the guy telling his buddies about the lady. He's like, man, she's perfect, and she's got it all together. She knows where she's going. She's super organized, detail-oriented. Man, I love that about her. And 10 years later, she's bossy and a control freak, right? It's like that. It's like, man does not have the capacity or ability 
to fill the role only God was intended to fulfill. Only God was intended to fulfill. And so what we have to understand is we cannot let people be in a position only God was intended to be in. And so a lot of the reasons why we have failed relationships is because we're expecting from people things only God can give us. And no one can live up to that, no one can. And honestly, the reason why you're expecting it from other people, the reason why we expect it from other people is we're not getting that from God. He's not withholding that from us. We're not doing the things that we can receive that from God because he's the one, he always intended to be that one that completes us in our life. And so if we're not getting that from him, we're looking over here to someone else and everyone falls short. Everyone will fall short because only God that can do that. And there is our dilemma, there is our challenge. So when you have it in your God, you don't need it from anyone else. When you have it in your God, you don't need it from anyone else. So here's what you need to know. First thing I want you to know is God is my one and my spouse is my two. Let's just get things in the right order. God is my one. I'm looking for that one. I'm looking, yeah, his name is Jesus. And then your spouse becomes your two because only God can complete you, if you will. And God is my one, so I'm gonna go after God with everything I have. He's my one. He is the answer. And so let me say this to those who aren't married yet because I always wanna be sensitive to that. Let me say it this way. I will seek the one while preparing for my two. That is the commitment. I will seek the one while preparing for my two. Because if you start seeking a person as the one, it just doesn't work the way God intended. And just adds to the hurt and the frustration and the challenges. And I, I know what that's like. If you're single, you're not even really to focus on that person or a person to do and fulfill what only God can. You're supposed to focus on you. And you're not supposed to focus on, on, on pursuing someone. You're supposed to focus on becoming someone and then get closer to God to become that one he wants you to be before that two comes in your life. So you're not looking for someone, you're becoming someone. I'll tell you a little bit of our story uh, to illustrate this. Um, after I graduated high school, I just kind of went on my, I call it the freedom tour. <laughs> college after college, I went to seven schools and I thought, people like, wow, that's a lot. And I'm like, well, that's a perfect number in the Bible. What's everybody else's problem, you know? I was like, and uh, I'm just bouncing around different things and I, you know, just running from God basically is what it was. And my parents were so patient and I appreciate that. And, and so uh, eventually I got to the point that I knew that I was not on the path that God had for me. And so I surrendered to the Lord and I knew God had a call in my life for ministry. And uh, so I said, okay, God, whatever you want me to do. And so I knew two things. I had a call in my life for ministry and to fulfill that, number one, I needed to go to Bible college. And then number two, I needed to find a wife. That's what I thought I needed to do, right? That's kind of what you did years ago. In fact, just to share this, next, this week, my, my brother's here. My brother and I will be going to some meetings up at Rama, where I went to Bible college, and I will be attending a luncheon for my 30th anniversary, my 30th reunion, if you will, 30th reunion. I know, I know. That, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. But I, I know what you're thinking. It's like, you don't even look 30. And I'm like, I know, I know. <laughs> so, we, so I went to Rhema Bible College, which, by the way, is affectionately known as Rhema Bridal College. And so I thought, well, I'm at the right place. And so I, my parents had some friends that would come speak at the church. And so um, they had a daughter that was at school. And she was a second-year student. I was a first-year student. And so uh, they uh, had worked it out where she could show me around and introduce me. I didn't really know anybody when I went to school up in Oklahoma. 
And uh, over time, we just took a good friendship and took it farther than what God intended, and we just felt like they were the one, I was the one, she was the one, and we were just convinced of that, because if you looked at everything in the natural, her parents were now pastoring a church in Mobile, Alabama. It's like, oh, my parents are pastors, your parents are pastors. I grew up in ministry, you grew up in ministry, you must be the one, and everybody thought what, our, what we were gonna pursue in life, yeah, you guys are the one, you're the, you're the one, and that's all we thought. We thought we are the one, the one, and so we went ahead and, and got engaged, and I remember that getting engaged, she, they came to speak. Her dad was speaking at an anniversary service. Some of you right there, the ones in the front row with my mom, they remember this well, I'm sure. And uh, uh, we had got engaged, and so my parents were on stage, her parents were on stage. We announced it to the whole congregation and our engagement, and we went off back to school. She eventually went to Mobile, Alabama to work at her dad's church during the children's ministry, and the plan was, after I graduated, we were gonna get married, and I was gonna go work there. But God had another plan. But I thought that was the one. And so I was pursuing the one, and, and then all of a sudden, at some point in time, I had the opportunity, I thank the Lord to just sit and listen, and God was telling me, it's not the one, <laughs> it's not the one. And I'm like, no, it is the one. Everything's perfect, it lines up. Everybody says it's the one. And God's like saying, it's not the one. And I fortunately listened to God because he had another one in mind, another person in mind, actually, for me. Amen, and we'll be celebrating 25 years. Amen. <laughs> And we will be celebrating 25 years here soon, so I'm excited about that. And so um, I knew, so how do you have that conversation? So we had the conversation. We just, this, I don't think this is what God has. And so we parted ways on that. I graduated from school. I came back to Tree of Life on staff with my dad. And I just dug in. I just put myself into ministry. I'm like, God, I'm just gonna serve you. I'm gonna serve the pastors. I'm gonna serve this church. I'm gonna grow. Actually, this year too, in June, I'll be celebrating my 30th anniversary of being on staff here. On staff here. That's, yeah, it's amazing. Wow, that's a, that's a lot. And, uh, and so I just poured myself into that, poured myself into it. Shortly thereafter, uh, Jessamy's family started coming to Tree of Life Church. And uh, so she noticed me right away and instantly fell in love and was smitten. Pursued me relentlessly. It was a little embarrassing, to be honest with you, but, you know, I don't blame her, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and uh, over time, we realized that, yeah, this is what God had for us. And so... Um, I didn't tell the rest of this story, but um, I went to lunch on a Friday with my mom and dad. It was right before anniversary, which is the first Sunday in August. And my dad said, son, I know that you have feelings for this young lady. And uh, so when anniversary services are over, which was a week long, we'll have their family over for dinner and we'll get to know them. And, and so it was that Wednesday my dad passed, so we never had that opportunity. So for me, everything just was on hold for a minute, and I just dove right back into serving my mom, who stepped into the, be the pastor, and serving the church and the people of the church just poured myself, and then my mom one day said, she looked at me, she said, son, it's time for you to get on with your life. You need to give her a call. And, I'm, and I, didn't, I didn't really realize that at the moment because I felt like I was just giving myself to everything God and to serving the church and to becoming the best help that I could be, the best associate pastor I could be. And in that moment, God just opened the door and made the way. And so I, I went and called Jessamy. We, we went out a few times, and then I asked her dad, I went to ask her dad if I could marry her, and I said, sir, I'd like to marry your daughter, and he looked at me and said, no. <laughs> I'm sorry, what'd you say? <laughs> like, why, why not? Who wouldn't want this for their daughter? <laughs> I'm, just I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, I'm sorry. I said, no. Okay, he says, I need to pray a little bit more, I need to pray. And so I said, okay, you do that, you need to hear from God, I've already heard from God, but you go ahead and pray, whatever. Sacrifice an animal, whatever you need to do, I don't know. A couple weeks later, I went to him again and said, sir, I'd like to come back and ask you again. And he looked at me and he said, no. 
And I said, why? I mean, what's the deal? I mean, it's like, not like I'm involved in any risky business. <laughs> I know. All right, I know, enough. Enough of the Tom Cruise jokes. I know, I know. It went that way in first service too, and I still did it the second time. And so I told my wife, she's like, what's the hold up? I, my wife, I told my, just at that time, what's the hold up? I was like, I your dad's told me no. So then her and her mom got a hold of him. <laughs> and we got married quickly after that. I don't know what that was like, take my son. My point, and there is a point there. My point there, it was every time I was pursuing what I thought was the one that wasn't. And then when I just gave myself to God and serving him and serving the call in my life and developing the call and serving the pastor at that time, all that, God was opening the doors. And I just want to encourage you in that. Maybe that will help somebody, encourage somebody. And there wasn't a timing on it. It was just something that I knew that I was to do. And so while you seek the one, be preparing for your two. And that's a commitment that you are to make. And I think it's important for us to understand that. And it's important. So keep Jesus as your focus. Now, marriage people are wondering, married people are wondering, how does this apply to us? It's a completely different principle if you're married. And so for you, I would say this, I will seek the one with my two. I will seek the one with my two. And they're all like, yeah, I heard, the, I heard the notion. Yeah, right, we're all like that. But then it's like, if you stop thinking about it for a minute, it's like, oh, wait a minute. Because it's really more than just going to church with them on occasion. There's more to that. Because I'll remind you that Statistically speaking, one in two marriages end in divorce. Those aren't very good odds. And they're the same with Christians just going to church with their spouse. Not any different than the world. But I want to help increase your odds. And to increase your odds, you need to seek the one with your two. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. We need better odds. And it's more than just going to church together on occasion. And we need to follow this principle so it's important, and let me say this, as important it is to keep God as our number one, it's that important to keep your spouse as your number two. Now, if we ask people around here, we can say, yeah, God's my number one, yeah, absolutely, but then we do that, okay, but is your spouse then your number two? Because sometimes our children become our number two, and we go from being a God-centered home or God-centered marriage to kid-centered relationship. And I can understand that, the demands of kids and all things that have to happen. Sometimes our job becomes our number two. Well, I'm just trying to provide for the family. I'm just trying to do all this and that. But at the same time, you might be losing them. Sometimes, let me say it this way, because of what I do, sometimes our ministry becomes number two. Sometimes our church can become number two. And that's not what God intended. Sometimes our hobbies can become number twos. Our other relationships or friendships can become number two. So just as important as to keep God as your number one, you need to keep your spouse as your number two. So let me give you some tools on how you can seek God together. The first one is this, perhaps the most important one. Everything hinges on this one, and it's the most difficult one to do, and that is this, number one, pray together. Pray together. That's hard. That's interesting to me, and I struggle with that too, and Jessamine and I do, but let me just say this, and it's not a cliche, it's actually truth, but a couple that prays together stays together. It's truth. Prayer is one of the Christian disciplines everyone knows they need to do, but most people feel uncomfortable doing it with somebody else or publicly. And we've been trained our whole life to keep our relationship with God, our faith with God, our prayer time to ourselves, and that's not good. Your salvation was supposed to be between you and God. Everything else was in the context of relationship with you and God and others. I mean, the enemy will lie to us and try and keep us secret and silent like that instead of 
coming out with sharing that with other people. In fact, James 5.16 says this, therefore confess your sins to each other, confess your sins. The word sins does not just mean mistakes there, it's actually translated the things that you struggle with, the things you're having a hard time with. So therefore, confess the things you're having a hard time with the other person and pray for each other so that you may be healed and listen to what it says, when you engage in that activity, as hard as it is, the promise is the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. If you can work through how difficult that is, it releases power in that prayer. And we need that. And that's why the enemy fights so much to keep you from praying with your spouse. Because he knows when you get together, mm, that is powerful prayer. But we have this understanding of like what we think prayer with our spouse is. And I want to tell you, it's not an hour-long time, devotional time every morning. Ain't nobody got time for that, right? I don't. It's not my wife has to get up every morning with me. I get up really early. And so she gets up a little later, and then we go to lunch. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. I know. I'm, I'm sorry. I know. I know. I know. I repent. I know. I know. I'm sorry. But our schedules are different. So I have this hour-long devotional, and if you can do that, man, God bless you, do it. Do it. I mean, you probably didn't start there, but you gotta start somewhere. And I guess my point is in that, it's like we just bring prayer into our relationship as much as we can. It may be 60 seconds. It may be a text, I'm praying for you today, honey. I know you got a meeting, I'm praying for you. I know you have a headache, you're not feeling good, I'm praying for you. Let me pray for you. Grab your hand real quick on your way out the door. She, uh, I was sitting there before I come up to, to speak, she just put her hand on my leg and said, God, I just thank you for using my husband today. I just thank you for giving him the words to speak. That's all it took. Now, why if we think we have to have this huge, so Jessamy and I don't do that every morning, but we bring prayer in our relationship every day, any way we can, and you can do that too. It doesn't take some big long thing. It doesn't take a lot of time, but it's powerful, the word says, and it works through all throughout the day that Prayer shows up in our relationship. We bring those things together in some way, shape, or form. And let me just say this, this might seem funny, but let me say this. Even if you just pray over the meal together, add a little something to that. I mean, I know I grew up praying the prayer that my granddad prayed, that my dad prayed, you know, you just kind of quote it. And eventually I got one of my own. But now you just add a few things on. You pray for the meal and you, you know, thank God for my, thank God for our marriage. Just protect us. Thank God for my kids. I thank you that they're healthy. I thank you in school. Thank God for our home. Lord, protect it. Let no harm befall it. No plague shall come nigh our dwelling. In Jesus' name. God, protect us. Help us fulfill your will. In Jesus' name. What is that? 30 seconds added on to your... It's just simple. But the enemy fights you so... And let me say this. Why is it so hard for us to pray with our spouse? Are we embarrassed? Really? Do you remember when you first got married? Do you remember... <laughs> Do you remember, sorry, I'm gonna apologize to my mom head to. You remember the first time that you saw the other one go to the bathroom? <laughs> That's a pretty private thing. Do you remember? I remember both my kids being born and I was in the birthing room. There's nothing to keep secret from me any longer. I just like, <laughs> I almost passed out, but I was in there. Why are we getting hung up with praying together? What is it with our spouse that we've experienced that we think we have any reason to be embarrassed about? I mean, we, we've seen it on anything and everything. This is the enemy. This is the enemy keeping us. And let me say this too. Prayer is, prayer is bonding. Prayer is intimacy. 
Prayer eventually, when you, you start somewhere, eventually you tap your heart. You start sharing your heart with, with your spouse and they need to hear your heart. But God created it, why? Because God created it to be intimacy between him and you. And so therefore with your spouse, it becomes intimacy between you and your spouse. It's bonding. You know why the enemy fights so hard? Because he knows if you're praying with your spouse, you're being intimate and you're bonding and he wants there to be disunity and strife. Just a short prayer. Just a short prayer. Doesn't take a whole lot. Here's what also helps, happens when you do that because it's intimacy and bonding when you pray with your spouse. When you're praying with them, it's hard to be angry with them. When you're praying with them, it's hard to disrespect them. When you're praying with them every day, it's hard to be disloyal to them. When you're praying with them every day, it's hard to hurt them. That alone should be reason why we need to be praying with our spouses. Prayer is important and we need to do that. Number two, I just wanna give you some help to change your odds so from this day forward we can do these things. Number two, discuss the Bible together. Now I don't mean like have a hour long one year Bible over coffee discussion. That's great if you can do that. We again, our schedule's like we just, we can't do that. But along the same lines with the other, well let's look at the scripture here and look at it this way in Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 7 says this, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your heart, the word. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. In other words, bring the word of God in your everyday life. If you can sit down and go over the year Bible or devotion, man, do that. Sure, you have to start somewhere. We don't find time to do that often, but we do bring the word into our everyday life. Just the other day, I had uh, one of my daughters texted me. She goes, I got questions. And I looked at my wife and said, maybe you should call them. <laughs> and she just had some questions. And so uh, I called her on the phone and I said, you know what, honey, how about tomorrow we get together and have some lunch? So we had lunch and we just had this great discussion on questions she just had. And just it was all about bringing the Bible into it and bringing the Bible into it and bringing the Bible into it. Not preaching, bringing the Bible into it. You know there's times all throughout your day that God just reveals something and you can bring the word right into that. Now, the challenge is you gotta be in the word first. <laughs> right. That means we gotta get in the word and that's a good thing. But then bring the Bible into your everyday life, teachable moments, Bible discussion. Let me just tell you, if that even seems hard for you, let me tell you a great place to start and perhaps one of the greatest tools in all that is get in a small group. Get in a small group. Because that's all based around different activities and stuff, but ultimately, it's about bringing the Bible into your real life. Making the Bible real and come alive. Because sometimes you just don't know, but there's another couple in there maybe that does. You're experiencing something and you don't know how to do that or what to bring the Bible in, but they've already walked through it and they can say, hey, you know what? Here's what the Word says and here's how we found that that worked good for us. Thank you. It's one of the greatest tools on that one and discussing the Bible is getting in a group because that's what it's about, discussing how the Bible can come alive in your life. It's the best application. Just trying to help you change your odds. And lastly, I'll say this, attend church together, to which I know that you would say, well, we're here. <laughs> we can move on from this one because we got this one. And I would say to you, I wanna take you to another level on that. In fact, let me say it this way, attend church together faithfully. You know, pre-COVID, now I don't know what it is now, but I don't think there's enough data to understand what it is now, but pre-COVID, regular church attendance in America had fallen to once every three weeks. Once every three weeks. 
That's not enough. Well, you're saying that as a pastor. No, I'm saying that because I want you to increase your odds. That something happens when we gather together. Something happens when we enter in corporate worship and corporate prayer. Something happens when we come, and Pastor Eric even prayed that out this morning, like someone may come in and be at a tough place, but somebody else is helping create that environment. I had this picture I prayed it out yesterday morning with a cup and a saucer. You may come in on Sunday morning, you may be the cup. Come on, Jesus, and he's overflowing you, and you may flow over on someone else who that day just happens to be the saucer. I can't even lift my head to worship, but I'm filling up from the overflow of the cup next to me. (laughs) You gotta be here. You gotta be here. It's important. Get your kids here. Get your kids here. Attend faithfully. I want you to consider making church a we don't miss kind of thing. Not when the weather is, the ball game schedule, you're out late Saturday night, but maybe it should be the priority and then everything else you should schedule around it. Here's the deal, I'm just trying to change your odds. And I wanna say this, stay at home parents, don't raise go to church kids. That's probably the hardest thing I'm gonna say today other than pray together but we desperately need our kids to be in this environment. Because I remember on my kids who are 22 and 21 now, I remember their little kids and my wife and I'd have this talk, what's it gonna be like when they're teenagers? What's it gonna be like when they graduate and get out in the world because the world's changing constantly and we were freaking out because technology and access and immorality and all this kind of stuff, what's it gonna be? And you might have children, you might have said this already, what's it gonna be like when my kids, it has changed so much from the time I graduated to today. I don't even know what it will be like. The world's changing constantly, but here's what I do know, God changes not. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and whatever tomorrow holds, he's got it. He's got it, amen? So, having said that, it is so important to get your kids in church now so you're a go-to-church family, so they'll be a go-to-church family when they have their own. Because we don't know what's happening up there when they get to that age, but we know God's got it. And, I, and as, far, as long as I'm the pastor here, we're, we're gonna be the church that still brings the uncompromising word of God. We're not gonna apologize for the truth. That we're gonna believe in the person and power and presence of the Holy Spirit. We're gonna believe in worshiping the only true and living God. We're gonna, we believe in bringing the tithe into the storehouse and reaching out around the world. We believe in prayer. It's not gonna change. This world's gonna change. So we need to make sure that we are being go-to-church parents so we have go-to-church kids Go to church teens, go to church adults, go to church mom and dads, go to church grandkids. Come on, somebody. This doesn't happen. You gotta set the tone for that, amen? Amen, all right. Luke 4, 16, I I gotta wrap this up. Luke 4, 16, Jesus went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue, as was his custom, as was. The Son of God, Jesus, went to church every week. Why do we think we don't need to? All right, I'm gonna move on. Okay, Psalms 127.1 says this, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. I know there's all kinds of things available for you today. I want you to experience all of them, but don't replace it with connecting with God. I'm all for counselors, we need to go, we need to take advantage of that. I'm all for reading books, I'm all for listening to podcasts, I'm all for getting in groups, but listen, you have to build God first family, a God first marriage, or else everything you're doing is in vain, the Bible says. That's what the Bible says. Everything you're trying to work on, your marriage is in vain unless God is number one. 
God is number one. From this day forward, we need to live a God first life. I'm gonna close with this scripture. Revelation 21, five, because I want you to go out of here encouraged today. Remember our opening scripture, it says the foundations are being destroyed. What shall we do? The righteous asks, and then verse four said, but the Lord who is seated in heavenly places on the throne. Here we go, Revelation 21, five says this. He who is seated on the throne, he's just not up there sitting. He's completed what God sent him to do. He sat down and said, it is finished. But you know what? He's making intercession for us. And here's one of the things he's saying. I make everything new. <laughs> the one seated on the throne. Your foundation may be shaken. You may feel like it's crumbling. But he is seated on the throne saying, I make everything new in you, in your marriage, in your life. <laughs> That's what he does. He's up there making, what's he doing sitting up there? Making everything new for you. Yeah, but my marriage, yeah, he's making it new. Yeah, but you don't know what, yeah, he's making it, yeah, but we've already talked about divorce. Yeah, but he can make it new, but yeah, we've already, yeah, but he can make it new. He can make it, yeah, but my foundation has been so broken for so long. Yeah, but he can make it new. He makes everything new if you'll let him. He's making all things new right now from this day forward. Let the past be the past. From this day forward. Allow them to make things new in your life and your marriage. Let's all stand to our feet. We're going to take a moment. I messed my wife to come. We're going to take a moment to let the one who makes all things new have an opportunity for us to put him first in this moment. We're going to go back into a song and just worship just for a short time, not long. We don't want to keep it long. But we want to make an opportunity for you to make a commitment today. Let the past be the past. And make a commitment for that new that God wants to do in your life, in your marriage, in your relationship. So let's worship him for a moment. Thanks again for joining us this week. We pray that this message encouraged and inspired you. If you want to find out how you can be a part of Tree of Life, just go to our website, treeoflifechurch.org. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend.